Way is a community of people that are centered around the gospel of Jesus Christ and devoted to doing his work here in Durham and throughout the world. Um, there are tons of ways to connect with our community during the week. We had a list of them, but it got quite long, so we sort of just moved it to the website. If you want to know anything about small groups or pub groups or ways that you can connect with us, the best way to do that is to check out our website. And there's also a little green card right there in the entry that you can grab that'll sort of direct you where you need to go. Um, for regular folks, I'll remind you, if you can get here on time, that would be great. Um, you'll notice, if you're looking around, our room looks really different. During Advent, we like to do station worship, and so you'll see there are different stations around, and you'll hear a little bit more about that a little later. Um, if, there's, if it's your first time with us, there's also some yellow 
cards in the entry that you can fill out with your information. And we'll be glad to contact you and give you more information about Amaze Way. And there's also a silver bowl in there for offering. Um, I want to say a specific thanks to Daniel and Lauren for being here tonight. We're really excited to have you. And I think at this point I'm going to hand it over to the Wootens who are going to do the lighting of the Advent candle. We began our celebration of Advent last week by lighting the first candle of the Advent wreath, the candle of expectation. As we mentioned, Advent means coming or arrival, and it's the four-week period leading up to Christmas during which we anticipate and prepare for the coming of Jesus into the world. But the expectation of the holiday season can be be a double-edged sword. We eagerly await time off from work or school and opportunities to gather with family and friends but we may dread confrontations with difficult family members, stressful long-distance travel, or the financial strain that so often accompanies the holiday season. So for the second week of Advent, we light the candle of hope, enriching and clarifying our expectations for the season. We look to Advent as the coming of Jesus into the world, the coming of the long-awaited Messiah who not only shows us what God is like, but brings the potential of God's reality into the realm of our possibility. In a moment, we will relight the first Advent candle, reminding us of our ongoing expectancy of Jesus' coming. And we will also light the second candle, the candle of hope, for what Jesus' coming means to us as individuals and to the world as a whole. As with last week, you will be giving opportunities in our station worship tonight consider the ways in which hope may either affirm or perhaps challenge our experience of this season. So tonight, we begin the second week of Advent, expecting the coming of Jesus and hopeful for the possibilities that his coming brings. So now we'll sing our community song. So please join in. My deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. My deliverer is coming, my deliverer is standing by. He will never break his promise, he has written it upon the sky. My deliverer is coming, my deliverer is standing by. My deliverer. My deliverer is standing by. My deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. Thanks, everyone. Uh, As you have now familiarized yourself with, we started a new community song um, as we transitioned into this time of Advent. Uh, We're in the second week of Advent, and I mentioned this last week, but some of you were not here because we were out of town for Thanksgiving. Advent is the time of the year. If you look at our our icon back here, the long green stretch on the the left-hand side, my left-hand side, or if you're looking at the left-hand side, um, is ordinary time, and that that purple part kind of at the top around uh, 10 o'clock to almost 12 o'clock is is the Advent uh, time of year. So we're entering into that time of year, and actually that's the 
the beginning of the church calendar year. So we started a new church calendar uh, last week, and we are now in the second week of the church calendar. Um, And so the transition of the song is part of teaching our children, teaching our kids who are now kind of starting out with us uh, about the church seasons and about what our times of expectation are in Advent and how we sit as a people in expectation and hope uh, of the coming uh, birth of the Christ child, but also uh, an expectation of the second coming and the consummation uh, of all that God is doing in our world. So now, it, that, uh, as is our custom, I want to invite you to pass the peace of Christ to one another. Um, greet those that are around you. If you'd like to grab coffee or grab a snack, um, I'll call us back in just a few minutes. Uh, As we did last week, uh, during this time of Advent, we'll be going to stations in just a minute. Um, Normally, during uh, our Sunday gatherings, we do more of a dialogue, discussion of the text. And uh, Throughout Advent, however, um, me or Tim or whoever uh, is doing, usually doing the dialogue, we'll do kind of a smaller sermonette of sorts. Uh, So it'll be kind of me posing some some thoughts on the text and different things that I was thinking about this week as I was reading them. But we like to do reading of scripture during this time of year as well. Uh, I mean, we do that all the time, but specifically during this time, we pick up the lectionary, which are the weekly readings that are used by the church kind of globally uh, uh, around the world um, and are read every week. And so there are different people in the congregation who are going to read these texts to us. They're all printed upon your bulletin. And I think Sarah is maybe going to start us with the first one. Sarah Fox. Psalm 72, 1-7, Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to a king's son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. May the mountains yield prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people. Give deliverance to the needy and crush the oppressor. May he live while the sun endures. And as long as the moon throughout all generations, 
May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may righteousness flourish and peace abound until the moon is no more. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May his glory fill the whole earth. Amen and amen. Romans 15, 4 through 13. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God, in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you all. Thanks be to God. So it's not all that troubling, I, I think these, or it's, it is troubling, it's not all that odd to wake up to troubling news about the future. In some sense, I think it, it, it is so pervasive, it's something that we all kind of share. Right, left, red, blue, whatever you identify yourself as. 
there's a sense that we all think the future is going to be a bit troubling. Whether you're a doomsday prepper on one side, you know, figuring out schemes or building bunkers to hide from terrorist invasions or an economic crash, or whether you're looking at the reality of global warming and the situations that we as a species are facing about whether this planet's going to be inhabitable in the future. In some sense, our world and our culture is filled with news that the future is not looking so great. Now, this is not to say that there are not messages of hope that, that are out there and that are around. Uh, but one of the things that I think has made me so cynical uh, is that most of the time the messages of hope that you see are actually sponsored ads, aren't they? I mean, think about BP telling us about how, you know, it's great that the oil spill happened or the, oil, the, the, the explosion happened because now we're going to make it even better than it was. Or think about the messages of Range Rover and about all the wonderful, adventurous things you can do if you own this car. Or maybe the great, quaint retirement you can have sponsored by Prudential Investments. There are messages of hope out there, but they all seem to be kind of sponsored, something being sold to us. The reality behind them is that the world still seems a bit grim. The history or the future and the history that we're pursuing looks a bit dark. I have to imagine that the people that John begins to talk to here in Matthew 3 when he comes on the scene are a similar type of people, similar to us in this way. Existing under Roman oppression, trying to eke out a living, struggling to make a future for themselves, to just make it by. John comes on the scene proclaiming his message of news. John's a bit kind of an odd figure if you look at it. Right? He's a bit kind of like with his diet and his clothing and even his message, he's a bit raw a bit unrefined. He doesn't seem like the type of person that people would normally jump on board with. A bit of an eccentric, maybe somebody who's a little off the reservation, pointing back at the world, saying, I'm telling you, it's all going down. He's a bit like a wandering revivalist preacher, or maybe those of you that went to UNC, the pit preacher. Is that UNC? The pit preacher. Somebody like that, that we might kind of laugh at a little bit, but also kind of think, hmm, is there something really real about what he's saying? In that regard, I find John's popularity in the passage a bit of a mystery. I mean, after all, the people are pouring out of the city to come hear his message, to be baptized in the Jordan River. They're pouring up to him. They're coming up to him, flooding out of the town to visit him. Now, maybe this is because John, like so many of our politicians, has been able to paint himself as the political outsider, right? He's coming in. You can tell, by the way, that he's treated the scribes and the Pharisees or the Pharisees and the Sadducees here that he's not the establishment man, right? He is the one who's going to come into D.C. and shake things up. Maybe this is the message that has gotten people on board. They're saying, finally, somebody who's a populist, a true man of the people is going to come shake things up and reorder them. Maybe this is what has John so popular. But still my cynicism, and I'm thinking probably yours, 
comes back a bit to say, yeah, but really isn't this just the same old message? I mean, we've heard this before. This whole repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Come on, I'm a little suspicious. I don't know, we're getting to this time of year. You ever get bad gifts? Have you ever gotten a, a really bad, I'm not talking about like a bad sweater or a bad tie. I think those of you that grew up in passive aggressive families will know what I mean. It's that gift that has a message attached to it. You know, the stuffy aunt who gives you the modern manners book. The parent who's a little bit of a helicopter parent who gives you the membership to match.com. <laughs> not exactly sure what to think about that. Or maybe the, the brother or sister that's in their first year of college and studying, you know, kind of global relations, and they decide to buy you, I don't know, a goat or some type of charity gift for your Christmas present. That sense of, oh, thank you very much, but the message is received. Those kind of bad gifts. It seems like John's message here, John's good news, kind of comes with a jab attached to it. It seems like there's some strings attached. There are some conditions that we all have grown weary of in our day and age. You see, the key to John's passage, or John's message here, the key to his pronouncement, is in this term, repent. It's in this term, repentance. Now, we are all familiar with how that term has been misused and misappropriated. I think a lot of us could tell stories about how that term has been beaten, uh, how we've been beaten over the head with that term time and time and time again. We've heard this before. It comes with some significant conditions, some jabs, some punches. This is an important part of John's message. You see, too often... We think of repentance in, some, in a way something like a court order, where it comes down upon somebody and it says, repent or else, and somebody in the gallery is kind of celebrating because vengeance has finally been handed out on the person who deserves it. Or we think of it in kind of a bad parent-child relationship, where it's a, a recanting and basically an instance where, hey, I know what I'm supposed to do is to self-loathe, and somehow I don't know what that accomplishes in our relationship, but... Somehow that is supposed to do something here. I don't doubt, and I think actually those are ways that repentance has been talked about. But that's not what it means here. Now that's not to say that John's message of repentance is not something that's powerful. It's not to say that it's something that doesn't have power. Indeed, it has a lot of power. It is, in fact, an imperative. But it's an imperative of invitation. It's an imperative of power that invites the people to come out of a world where power is used to oppress, to exploit, and to manipulate into a world where God's power as love heals, redeems, and rectifies. It is a term that means to turn around, to change one's complete mindset, to in some sense have a revolution of our imagination, a recasting and a remolding 
of our whole mindset. The notion that the way we view the world is completely rebooted and reconfigured. This week we saw, sadly, the passing of Nelson Mandela. And it got me thinking about uh, the class. I, I don't know if Andrew's here. Maybe they're back with the kids. He could tell this story much better than I could. But it got me thinking about a class that I took on South Africa and on apartheid. And as part of reading through that material and, and learning about that, Mandela played a role, along with Tutu and other folks there, of trying to figure out after a, a years and years and years of oppression, abuse, how to go forward as a people and whether that was going to be possible. The way that they did that was by constituting what they called the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that began to lead the people forward, to open a new way forward by truth-telling, by confession, that both challenged those people who, in power, had oppressed and had abused to recognize what that power had made them into, but also invited those who had been abused to release the fear and the hatred that they felt for their very abusers in that situation, in that context. And to open a road forward such that they would not repeat the very activity and the very types of engagements that were imposed upon them. Now we all know it wasn't perfect, but in some sense what Mandela represented to us was the possibility of a new road forward. The possibility of hope. You see, repentance in John's message is actually what creates or opens the possibility for hope here. John, like his whole career will be, and it won't be a long career because anytime you shake up the, Kiw the Kiwanis Club or the Movers and Shakers, you don't last very long in a town. John's whole career will be spent pointing to Jesus, pointing to the Messiah, pointing to the hope of the world. And as the last of the prophets here, John in our passage is clearing the ground, opening up the road for the king who is already coming on the scene. In some sense, what we find here in this word repentance, in the sense of being turned around, of having our mind reconfigured, is God's, this is going to sound very odd, but God's gracious threshing of us. You see, the church, I think a lot of times, gets fixated on and, and tells us that, you know, the most uh, pervasive vice that we have is sexual immorality or blah, 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 whatever it might be. But, but what we find here, the most pervasive vice that you and I have, I think, is idolatry. Idolatry and despair. It's an idolatry where we try to get things and arrange things and control things ourselves. Where we think, hey, if I can just structure reality, if I can set it up the way that I want it to go, then everything will be perfect and I'll actually be able to establish peace here. 
The call of repentance here is an invitation into allowing God to set things right. Allowing God's grace to be poured out on those who don't seem to be deserving of it. In all the mathematical equations that we think we can put together, those that don't seem to be the ones worthy. But that is exactly where it falls. Pointing to Jesus here, John prepares the way for hope. In a similar way, I think when Isaiah pens this passage, this visionary passage that we read at the beginning of our scriptures, the people find themselves in the very same position to John's people. The days of David are long gone. The kingdom has has fallen into decline, into degeneration. History has overwhelmed the people, and they really are nothing. But out of nowhere, a shoot comes up. Out of what's stunted and dead, out of what seems impossible, a branch emerges. A new way is opened up by a God who's already on the scene, working in the background, who's deeply involved in the destruction and the damage that seems to pervade the world, working, molding, refashioning. God, we find, refuses to leave the world alone. And that actually opens up a very different future. It's not a naive future. The notion that the lion and the lamb will nap together is not something we can socially engineer. It's not something we can biologically engineer. It's not something that somehow we will create. It's miraculous. It's something that God does and is doing in the world. It is this refrain that repeats throughout Matthew of God with us, that you, we, are not alone. That the kingdom of God has come near. This is the good news that comes to us from kind of outside of the page, out of the framework that we normally understand. And that is actually the hope. You see, hope is a very powerful thing can lead us into very different actions. People who don't have to control the world can actually take the time to be involved in things that might look completely insignificant. Things that are minor, what might be termed small achievements. I'm thinking of, and this has been a very striking week here in our city, or a couple of weeks, I'm thinking of standing vigil with Durham congregations in action because of the recent murders that have happened. Just going out and standing and holding a candle at a place where somebody has been killed does not seem like a significant act. But in some sense, a people of hope, a people whose minds have been reoriented to the way God is moving, that's something we can do. Service to refugee families. That may seem, given the global context of what's going on in our world, something very insignificant, but yet it can be very, very, a very, very powerful act of hope. It can be the very slow, arduous process and painful process of healing divisions. 
All these move not as pie-in-the-sky, kind of hippie, sing-along acts. They're not sentimental in that sense. But as real participation in this hope that we proclaim, that John calls us into, they are, in fact, what we might say, move with the grain of history when we allow God to steer that history and to have our minds conformed, reformed, and changed accordingly. In some sense, in the second week of Advent, as we light the candle of hope, that's the type of hope we find in our scriptures. It's the type of hope we find proclaimed in Christ. It's the type of hope that we wait and expect in the Christ child who will be born. And it is that type of hope that we as a people are invited into to join in those radically insignificant practices of being that people of God. Uh, Josh is going to lead us into stations here in just a second. But as he comes forward, I'm going to read, as we did last week, uh, the prayer for the second Sunday of Advent. And then we'll move into stations. Pray with me. Merciful God, who sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation, give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins, that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Okay, so as we've mentioned... um Earlier, and if you were here last week, as you saw, during Advent, we, uh, we like to sort of break out of our normal mold and uh, utilize some different stations to, uh, to sort of center our worship around. So um, we have, I think, all the same ones as last week, but we also have several new ones, so I'm just going to go quickly through. So in this back corner over here, we have a contemplative prayer station. There are books, poetry, little pieces of liturgy, and uh, sermons and various other things to sort of go through and uh, just to sit sort of in quiet prayer. We have a station here that will be making chrismons, which if you're not familiar are uh, sort of, uh, can be ornaments for the tree or little markers that bear uh, traditional uh, signs and symbols of the church. In this back corner, we have a detournement station, which uh, we've, something we've done before here at the church, basically a way of creatively vandalizing things. So we have pictures and texts that remind us of maybe broken or uh, damaging ways uh, that the holidays tend to intrude on our lives. And then you get to black them out or add speech bubbles or various other things to, uh, to sort of bring them in line with a new narrative. Um, in this corner right here, we're going to be making, uh, continuing our process of making a rug for the center of the room. So I think tonight we're going to be braiding uh, the strips of fabric that we made last week. Up on the stage, we have um, the collage station from last week, and then we have a new station. Um, Elizabeth, do you want to tell us a little bit about how that works? So you're making candle holders to hold the light, and they're little glassware up there, and then there are alcohol ink, and there are instructions written out, like a number of copies, so you can, you can follow along with those, but... The idea is a little tea light goes inside eventually what you've created. 
Fantastic. So making candle holders, the, both of those are up on the stage. And then right here, right in front of the stage, um, we have a, what we're calling sort of a service station. It's an opportunity to partner with uh, one of our missional partnerships, in this case, Reality Ministries, who's a building we are graciously allowed to use every week. Um, so we're helping Reality with some Christmas time thank you notes. So there's detailed instructions um, and just sort of writing a short, a short note on the back of a photo. So um, we'll sort of adjourn to stay. Oh, and I don't want to forget the last station, which is the Eucharist table. We take the Eucharist as part of the station worship. Um, during Advent, we change that a little bit. We have mold, sweet wine in the carafes. We have sweet bread, and then there's juice in the pitchers. So make sure to, uh, to visit the Eucharist table and to break bread with one another uh, during station time. Um, I will go ahead and dismiss everyone to stations, and we'll call you back in about 30 minutes or so for uh, some singing. Okay, everyone, I'm going to call us back, so take a second and finish up where you are. As I mentioned last week, another thing that's really important to us during the season of Advent um, is hearing one another's voices and singing together. Uh, There's so many wonderful Advent songs, and so... uh, Tonight we're going to come together and sing a couple of those. I also wanted to offer a brief plug, because I know these guys are too modest to mention it, but Lowland Hum's record that came out earlier this year was actually just shortlisted by NPR as one of the best albums of the year. It's on a list that you can go vote for, and you can find the link to go vote on our Facebook page. So please go and find it there and vote for Lowland Hum. So, But right now, join us in singing. <laughs> We're really so thankful to, uh, to get to be a part of y'all's community every now and again, so thank you for, for having us. <clears throat> oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom
singing this next verse.
Advent's always one of my favorite times of year. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed kind of having a chance to work with your hands, and uh, it sure has been great to have Daniel and Lauren with us. Please, uh, as Josh mentioned, if you didn't hear, uh, go to their website or go to our Facebook page and vote for them. They're shortlisted for a record of the year through NPR, so please do that. Um, real quickly, as we conclude, um, those of you that have been with us throughout the year, you know this has been a big year of transition uh, for eWay. We've done a lot of different things, had some staff transitions. We've had some budget transitions. And Dave Thiessen's going to come give us a real quick update, kind of at, looking toward the end of the year, kind of where we stand with regard to budget stuff. Um, so we're going to take maybe two minutes here, and then um, I'll benedict us and we'll head out. So can you tell us where we are currently, Dave? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, as you guys, if you've been with us for this past year, know that we kind of shifted our fiscal year uh, to begin June 1st. Uh, so we're about halfway through our fiscal year right now. Um, our budget for this year is 117000 uh, um, We are currently uh, right around 41000 in contributions. Um, so halfway through the year, we are a little bit behind uh, kind of tracking along with the expenses and where we are towards that budget. Um, so you can do the quick math there. Our expenses are around 10000 a month, and uh, we are a little bit behind on that as we kind of head in toward this kind of mid midpoint of the year. And just a little background with that, um, our dream and, and when we started this church and in planning it was to make sure that we were never kind of uh, in a situation where budget overdetermined what we did. So year, on a week, pretty much on a yearly basis, we always will set the budget according to kind of what we're committed to and what we as a community will do. So in a certain sense, that's kind of the values that we have. We didn't want to, you know, one of the reasons why we didn't go out originally and purchase a building, you know, hire 17 people, uh, well, there are many reasons for that, but one of them is we didn't want to be we didn't want to be strapped down by a budget that, uh, in some sense, would come back to haunt us. And so we wanted flexibility and nimbleness with that. Um, but we also want to keep you updated on where we are and kind of how we as a community are doing that. Um, so, how could folks kind of connect, get, give, do their thing? Um, so there are three kind of main ways that we uh, or someone can contribute to Emmaus Way. Obviously, the first one we mentioned uh, on Sundays, there is that silver bowl in the foyer. Um, there's envelopes out there. Uh, the second way uh, is through our website. If you go to our website, on the front page, on the lower left-hand corner, there's a little, little kind of dollar symbol. And if you click on that, it's a link to this website uh, called Clover Donations. And you can contribute to that way. Um, you can specify, you know, the amount. You can also set up recurring donations if you just want to not even ever think about it and just hit recurring, and uh, it's kind of like, you know, a little NPR-ish uh, uh, sustainer. Um, and then the uh, third way, which... <laughs> um, so the third way you can do is also through mail. Uh, if you, if you uh, want to send mail on a weekly basis, sometimes a lot of banks will do that. If you can let them know when to send a bill or whatever, they can uh, send a, uh, a check to our address and we'll get it picked up in our mail. So there's three ways, the four-year on the website or also through uh, mail. Um, and then just also kind of to put context on our budget, um, our budget is we've, as you know, Dan said, trying not to be kind of tied down to things. So we've we very much pared down our kind of just overhead expenses. Um, and of that budget, you know, 90-ish percent or so is personnel staff related. So paying for, uh, you know, Tim and Dan and Chelsea and the various staff members that we have, as well as our, our children's uh, workers in the back. And uh, for those who have children, know how wonderful that uh, those people are, as well as the artists who we have coming through. Um, on a weekly basis. Uh, so that's kind of where the uh, contributions are going. It's not, you know, like you said, dance it to some uh, fun to 
build a building. It's to pay for the, the people here who are um, you know, helping us have this ministry. Thanks, Dave. And thanks to these guys have put in, lead teams put in a ton of work this year. And thanks to you, because you guys are such a, a generous kind of giving group, and um, it's, it's an exciting community to be a part of. So I hope this week as you go out, uh, you will go out with those words, O come, O come, Emmanuel, on your lips, meaning God with us. O come, O come, God with us, and that that hope will grow throughout this week, and that the light that is breaking into the darkness will be found or will find you at some point. Go in God's grace and peace uh, to be instruments of God's work in the world. Amen.